You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host this week, Dan Myler, and with me, only uh, only two of us this week. We are missing our good buddy, Matt, who is... Uh, high above us in the skies on his way to Iceland or something like that, Ryan. Uh, he's he's doing real work, not dynasty work, <laughs> I guess, right now. It's just, it's just the two of us this week. Yeah, the, the, those are things that happen when you don't have kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Ne- neither of us are flying to Iceland. It's not <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if it was Iceland. Uh, but I, I know when I saw it, my jaw hit the floor like, man, that guy's got opportunities. <laughs> and you're right. It's probably because of no kids, not tied down to anything. He gets to live in San Diego and then go on big excursions. What a life. Uh, of course, because of his job. So he's working. He said he was going to try to find out if any anybody over there is into Dynasty. So he'll report back. On that, when he gets back, not a lot going on. We're kind of in that dead period, Ryan, between the Super Bowl and the Combine. Uh, There's players getting released and players getting new contracts, but we're not seeing any of the big news that comes with free agency or or even uh, even the Combine. Uh, As we wait for the Combine to come and try to get some of that information that all of us crave, uh, lots of things to talk about with these incoming rookies, though, and we thought we'd kind of start off uh, the podcast coverage of this rookie class this week, since it's just you and me, Ryan. Uh, we both do rookie rankings, and I know both of us have been working diligently out of them. I, I spent, uh, I live in South Dakota, where we, we got hammered with snow over the last couple of weeks, so I've spent multiple hours getting ready for uh my ranking update that's coming very very soon but we'll preview some of that right now we're going to do an ADP episode we'll talk about standard league rookie ADP we'll talk about superflex rookie ADP as well uh to kind of finish off the the show this is all brand new information Ryan uh and and our crew here at DLF kind of digs this up and mines for this information let's get it get it kicked off here Ryan uh, starting with the first six in the most recent DLF rookie ADP group of wide receivers with Metcalf, Harry, Harmon, uh, then Jacobs at four, Josh Jacobs, I should say first names, Hakeem Butler, wide receiver at five, and A.J. Brown at six. Overall, your impression of these six, are they in the right order? Is it the right six guys at the top? I think it's the right six guys at the top, for, for now at least, and this class even you know even before we we really get to it as as we're recording here today the combine hasn't hasn't quite kicked off and and obviously we're waiting on pro days and landing spots and all of those things that will ultimately determine value but uh, even before all of those things this class has become known for the wide receiver group and we see five of them here in the top 6 and and I think four of those have have been projected as top players in dynasty drafts for at least a year and maybe even a couple of years. Uh, of course, talking about Metcalf and A.J. Brown from Mississippi, Nikhil Harry, Kelvin Harmon, all of those guys have been projected to be top five, top six picks uh, for quite some time. So in, in that way, it's no surprise. The other two names are kind of intriguing for me, Josh Jacobs, the Alabama running back, 
has has really been a late riser. His his value increase before we even really get to that that draft season kind of reminds me of what we saw from Sony Michelle last year. Uh, of course, Michelle had a, had a great year, but really ended uh, on a hot streak in the college football playoffs. And of course, he saw his value vault not only his fantasy value, but his NFL draft stock as well, uh, sneaking into the first round and. It kind of seems like we might see the same thing with Jacobs. He's routinely being projected as a first rounder, and and then maybe my favorite player in this class—not necessarily my number one rookie, but but pretty close—is Hakeem Butler, and he's a guy who has kind of gone under the radar a little bit compared to some of these other big names. But he he's starting to gain some value now as well, obviously. Yeah, it's a really intriguing group, and you get, you know, obviously it's flooded with these wide receivers, and it seems like everybody you talk to has a little bit different opinion of who who belongs at the top among those receivers. I've always leaned, over the last couple of years at least, towards A.J. Brown. He's one of my guys, fits the description of, of the prototypical number one receiver, just over six foot, 230 pounds, and, you know, all the athletic um, skills that we, we all look for. So I've, I've kind of stuck to that. I, I really like that group though, obviously with Metcalf and Harry and, and Harmon as well. And you mentioned Butler, he's been a sneaky guy for me, kind of. I, I don't know if I was, got on the bandwagon fast enough or, or anything like that. I mentioned that I, I, I spent a lot of time watching some of these guys recently, and I was pleasantly surprised with Butler and, and really feel like he belongs among that group as well. You mentioned Jacobs, and that rise that you compared uh, to Michelle, I, you know, maybe it's because he wasn't used in that primary role at Alabama, but it seemed to me, and, and Michelle was that way as well, that you know, at a high profile school like that, playing big games week in and week out, that that really shouldn't happen. I wonder what we're missing on that. Is it just the lack of opportunity in college that that makes us think that that they don't belong among that top group or the elite group of rookies? Or is it something else we're missing? I'm not really sure. I mean, in the end, or kind of bottom line with Jacobs, I think it's a matter of production. You know, not only was he was he not the starter, not the the lead back for Alabama. There were there were many times throughout the season he wasn't even the second back. Right? They had they had Najee Harris, uh, the sophomore there as well, who played a, a big role. Uh, I don't have I don't have their end of year numbers in front of me, but I feel like Harris Najee Harris outproduced Jacobs. So uh, Jacobs is just becoming that that trait player, right? He's, he's not a production player. That's not why people like him. Uh, he has the traits that many scouts, many fantasy players, uh, covet and, and appreciate. And that's why he's, he's moving up the board. Yeah. And I I think you can count both of us as fans, uh, Jacobs in, in that update that I was talking about moved up to that top running back spot for me. Let's transition to the back half of the first round in the DLF rookie ADP. Uh, that goes starting at number seven with David Montgomery, the running back, uh, and Daryl Henderson, another running back, followed by Damian Harris, uh, running back Rodney Anderson, wide receiver Marquise Brown, and then number 12, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, the wide receiver as well. So let's 
let's talk a little bit about this group. Uh, group of wide wide receivers early seems like that group of running backs late with Montgomery, Henderson, Harris, and Anderson kicking off the back half of the first round. Just your overall impressions of this group, and are they the right six, Ryan? Um, I don't think they're the right six this time. I, I see a couple players that I have some concerns about. The first of those is Rodney Anderson. Obviously a really productive career, and I, I thought he should have come out uh, after last year, I guess the 2017 season. Uh, he he chose to go back to school and, and unfortunately suffered another serious injury. That's the second or third for him, and he, you know, he, he just seems like a player that is going to continue to deal with these injuries. And, and we hate to, we hate to say that, but that's, you know, that's kind of the hard truth. He's also had a couple of minor off field issues. He's a little bit older than some of these other backs in the class. To me, there's just too many red flags to make Anderson a first rounder. And, and then with Marquise Brown, he's also got the injury stuff popping up. That's more recent. He had the Liz Frank surgery in July. He's going to miss miss the combine as far as most of the workout aspects of that. And there were some already some concerns with him specifically about his his size. He is he's just so small. He's listed five ten, one one sixty two. I think he's actually shorter than that, and and maybe even weighs less than the one sixty two number. Uh, not not many receivers in recent NFL history, have been productive at that size. Uh, so he kind of has that going against him, too. Neither of those guys would be in my top 12 at this point. So, and and with Brown, there are things to be excited about. You know, a lot of times with that, that slight build comes a lot of speed, and that's the case with Brown. So when when you turn on the highlight reel of Brown, you, you see a lot of that upside that makes you think about Tyreek Hill and, and, and others that have come before. I'm a little bit torn because, you know, the injury that you, you mentioned there that is, is popping up and, and now he's not going to participate at the combine, which is somewhere that he could shine potentially and move up draft boards. I continuously see him in NFL rookie mocks slipping a little bit though. So although I've been relatively high on him, in the past or, or recently, um, maybe I'm a little bit too high and, and maybe the dynasty community in general is as well, because they're bumping him up into that, that top 12. Um, Damian Harris, another one of those running backs that we mentioned, um, he is the starter or was the starter at Alabama comparatively between Jacobs and Harris. How do you feel about the fall off Jacobs at four right now, Harris at nine, Ryan, is that about right for you, or do you feel like there should be more space, or, or maybe Harris could move up a little bit? Where does he belong? It feels about right to me. I think Harris is just viewed as a, as a safe uh, prospect, um, and and that's kind of how I view him. I've seen some comparisons to guys like Jordan Howard, and, and that's certainly not exciting. I think he kind of is what he is, but he, he was productive in the SEC for essentially his entire career. He's another guy like Anderson that most expected to make the leap to the NFL a year ago. He chose to go back to school and, and that worked out pretty well for him. So I think anywhere in that, the back half of that first round, given a, a solid landing spot is definitely a fair spot for Harris. So with these four running backs that, 
that kind of kick off the bottom half of the first round, Montgomery, Henderson, Harris, and Anderson. Uh, I'm sure it won't be Anderson because of what you <laughs> said before, but is there a guy that could jump up into that top six? Maybe it's because of a big combine. Maybe it's because he lands in a prime landing spot. What What are you looking for there? And is there a guy you're closely monitoring? Well, I think it has to be Montgomery. And I know for many people, uh, maybe even – Maybe even uh, the majority of Dynasty players, Henderson, uh, I'm sorry, Montgomery is still their running back one in Dynasty. We talked about some of those wide receivers that have been a known commodity for over a year. That's been Montgomery. He's been the running back from this class uh, since he broke out his sophomore year in 2017. So uh, actually the gap, you talked about the gap from Jacobs to Harris. It's the gap from Jacobs to Montgomery that I have more of an issue with. To me, they're they're still neck and neck. Um, I, I think both have a fair claim to be the RB one in this class right now. And if you if you tell me that one of these six uh, from seven to twelve is going to jump into the top six, I think it would have to be Montgomery. Yeah, and Montgomery, to be fair, did go in the top six in half of the mocks that were run. So, you know, just because he's fallen to seven in the other half, that's as low as he he went in these mocks. And he went as high as fourth overall and as the top running back in a couple of them. So, so they, like you've mentioned, they are neck and neck. I like Montgomery's game as well and really feel that maybe the difference between Jacobs and Montgomery is dependent solely on landing spot because if one of these guys get a prime opportunity and the other guys doesn't necessarily we could see that guy rise really quickly especially if one or two of those pass catchers that that are among those top six if they landed spots that were not quite as excited about those are the running backs that could could make the big leap uh quickly moving forward let's go to the second round of DLF rookie ADP. Noah Fant, the tight end from Iowa, went 13th. Then Debo Samuel, the wide receiver, followed by running back Devin Singletary, tight end TJ Hawkinson, running back Benny Snell, and running back Elijah Holyfield. So these six, we we get to kick off the tight end coverage here with a couple of Iowa tight ends. It seems like it has become uh, trendy, I guess, for dynasty minds and and draft nicks and everybody else to suddenly like tj hawkinson better than noah fant and you know they played together and hawkinson is known as a more well-rounded tight end a bigger body and and a guy that can block a little bit and fant is that seam stretcher the guy that can get down the field of these two iowa tight ends former hawkeyes ryan which do you prefer and why I've still got Fant as my tight end one in this class, and, and that is where he's going here. You mentioned him at, at 13, kicking off the second round. And I, I I think he's a player who we could see land in, in the first round eventually, not only the first round of dynasty drafts, but I think it's very reasonable that both of those Iowa tight ends go in the first round of the NFL draft as well. To me, it's, it's just a matter of upside with Fant as far as his fantasy upside. I do agree that uh, that Hawkinson's probably the more well-rounded tight end, and that's probably going to be enough to make him the, the first player off the board uh, at that position in the NFL draft. This is probably going to feel like a, a broken record, but it's all going to be about landing spot with these players because we've we've got 
volunteers that are are so close, they're so large at, at really all three of these positions, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, and a good landing spot is going to make the difference. If Irv Smith Jr. goes to the Patriots at the end of the, the second round or the first round as the uh, as the Gronk replacement, it's it's going to be a battle for tight end one between these three guys. And, and you know, you can state cases like that across every position. Uh, one of these running backs is probably going to be the Chiefs' second or third rounder. And, and now we're going to go from a guy like Holyfield or Singletary or Snell, who's a mid-second rounder, they're going to jump at least around with that landing spot. Yeah, and specifically about those tight ends, it you know it, it matters what quarterback is throwing them the football. If, if you know going back to last year's class and Gesicki, you know maybe the lesson we should have learned is he, he fell into an offense that we were unsure about, and with a quarterback that we had questions about. About although he had that athletic profile and all those things going for him, the expectation of immediate upside or, or at, at least immediate production maybe was outlandish or something we shouldn't have been expecting uh meanwhile other tight ends land with quarterbacks and in situations where they can see the field immediately and and are going to be part of the offense and they they outplay them so you know that's probably gonna to your point that's probably gonna play out again this year i really like fans game i, I love how he gets down the field and, and uses that speed that he has he's so quick uh, changing directions for a guy that size. And, you know, we only see that with those former basketball players and those guys that that are known as freak athletes. Fant, although he doesn't maybe have, have that going for him or, or has, hasn't been known for that in the past, um, man, he, he looks good on that 15-yard post route, you know, and, and down that seam. He looks good doing that stuff, and, and that's going to fit in an NFL offense for sure. As far as this other group or the rest of these guys, there's a few running backs with Singletary and Snell and Holyfield. You mentioned the potential for one of these guys to find a landing spot. One of the guys that have moved up my rankings here recently is Benny Snell, and I know, Ryan, you've been a fan of him as well. When I turned on Benny Snell and started watching what he did between the tackles, and you know he's known as that bigger guy, the bowling ball, the guy that... Uh, not necessarily going to blaze or, or run around the edge and, and, and make that big 60-yard run or make somebody miss in the open field. But he is the guy that can be a little bit of a bruiser. He's got excellent balance. He handles a hit as well as any running back that's come out in the last few years. And that's pretty impressive to me as that between-the-tackles thumper that that gets grinds out yards and always falls forward. And, you know, we don't necessarily always take those kind of positives as positives because it's a lot of times when you're when you're talking about a guy being a thumper or having good balance or always falling forward, that's a way of finding something that's good. But with Snell, when you watch him play, it's so consistent that he stays on his feet and he can handle uh, contact as well as anybody I, th- I think there's definitely a role for him as a two-down running back, and if he lands in the right spot, I could see him moving up this list as well. Yeah, obviously, as a Kentucky fan, I'm I'm pretty excited about Snell and and have been a big fan of him, have enjoyed watching him throughout his college career. When it comes to their transition to the NFL, I, I guess I kind of 
group him with Damian Harris. Neither player is viewed as an exciting prospect. Both were obviously very productive in the SEC. I don't think that they're they're going to be counted on or, or maybe even given the opportunity to be used uh, in the receiving game, which from a dynasty perspective, from a fantasy perspective, hurts their value, it hurts their upside, and, and ultimately damages their appeal. I think with Snell, we just have to kind of appreciate him for what he is. He probably should not crack the top 12 of, of rookie drafts right now. As you said, he's 17 overall. I think he's got a little bit of room to grow uh, value-wise, again, depending on landing spot. And and obviously a bad landing spot for any of these guys would, would push them down. But I, I think just, like I said, just appreciating him for what he is, a, a hard-nosed, productive runner, uh, he's another guy that I've I've seen at times compared to Jordan Howard, who I guess has just become that that prototypical boring running back. But uh, if if you grabbed Jordan Howard in the second round a couple years ago, you've you've probably been pretty happy with that. Another running back I've been real happy watching is Penn State running back Miles Sanders, and he kicks off the back half of the top 24, uh, or at least the back half of the second round at 19, followed by wide receiver Riley Ridley, tight end Irv Smith Jr., running back Justice Hill, wide receiver Paris Campbell, and running back Travion Williams. This group is, there's, there's a lot of upside here as well. Those of you that listen or have listened for the last year or year and a half or whatever it might be, uh, know that I I was a big Calvin Ridley fan coming out and still am. It doesn't necessarily transfer in the family. Riley Ridley's a good player. He doesn't have the explosion that Calvin, his big brother, necessarily had. Uh, really liked the the ADP though, landing him at the the back half of the second round. He's a he's a I guess target the a, a guy that I, I really like that ADP. Irv Smith Jr. Same type of thing. Uh, we were talking about those Iowa tight ends at the top of the second round. Irv Smith Jr. at the bottom of the second round seems like a value to me as well. And Paris Campbell, another guy, uh, Ohio State wide receiver. I think he has the potential to be a riser throughout the pre-draft process as well. What about you, Ryan? Who who stands out among this group for you and why? There's a lot of standouts here. Um, I, I think... I'll kind of start with a couple of guys I have questions on, and it's it's the receivers here, Riley Ridley, Paris Campbell. Again, those are guys who don't necessarily have that production, uh, especially Ridley. So kind of kind of in the same vein as Josh Jacobs at the running back position, but they've got the traits, whether it's uh, whether it's the size speed or or what have you. But I, I think especially Campbell is just just going to destroy the combine. So I, I agree with you. He could be a guy who is really rising, rising up boards, both NFL mock drafts. And uh, when it comes to their dynasty value, I I just have a hard time trusting those type of guys here at the end of the second. It's uh, it, it's, it's obviously not a bad value, but if they were to creep up early in the second and, and definitely if they were first rounders, uh, which I've, I've seen, I've seen uh, some some analysts have both of those guys in their top twelve overall. That that would give me some pause. So if they can maintain this value, then they're worth taking a shot on. Uh, but but any higher, I would I would probably stay away from Campbell and Ridley. 
Yeah, and the thing that I liked about Ridley, although he doesn't necessarily have the the get off that maybe his his brother does, he he does have the route running though. Right. If, if you walk watch him on those double moves at Georgia, he scored those touchdowns on on shakes and and subtle turns of his head and hips that that made corners bite on routes, and suddenly he's wide open. And I think that's going to transfer to the NFL again. I like Riley Ridley, especially at number 20 overall. Like you said, if he gets up into the late first, which is where we we got his brother last year, I'm not quite as sold on him. Yeah, I like Sanders as well. Um, he's he's a guy I was actually a little unsure of. The more I watch uh, and see of him and, and read about him, the more I like, honestly. I, I think that it's kind of a simple... Um, excuse i guess but i i can't think of anything else i just wonder if even in in his year as the starter over this past year if he was still playing a little bit in saquon barkley's shadow and continued to get those comparisons to barkley not only from from penn state fans but from all college football fans or all fantasy players so sanders is a guy i could easily see uh, moving up, as you mentioned, and another guy I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as a first rounder. I, I wanted to go back. You you talked about those Iowa tight ends. We've got Irv Smith here in the the back of the second round. What are your thoughts? And and this is obviously a, a great tight end class. What are your thoughts about spending a first round pick on those on those players uh, on t- on tight ends in general? Yeah, tight ends in general. So. As dynasty owners, we've been burned by that in the past. There's been guys that have been hyped up and and were supposed to be taken in the in the top ten in rookie drafts. Usually, they're guys that get taken in the top fifteen of the NFL draft and have that profile as that that athletic guy. And although we've been burned in the past, I, I'm not necessarily against it now. Especially with this class, we're probably looking at a late first jump i i don't know if we expect any of these guys to go all the way up to six or seven uh but 10 or 11 and 10 11 or 12 certainly seem doable and and i think that probably goes back to what you said about that landing spot if we get one of these top three guys especially and there are a couple more guys that we're going to get to that have a little bit of upside as well um but if one of these top three guys land in a truly prime situation one of the best in the league we always go with the new orleans saints but but really there there are a handful of places i don't have a problem with it um you know typically if you're picking at the end of the first round that means you unless you traded for the pick that you're a good team uh you can take the best player available and if that happens to be a tight end then we need those guys in our starting lineups too as well, right? Right? Yeah, that's true. I guess I guess my mindset when thinking about these players is I feel like you can probably take that first rounder and acquire a guy like Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, David Njoku, Hunter Henry, and and, and maybe you have to add a little bit to that, but in general, why not go out and get one of those guys rather than a rookie tight end, even if even if they do land in a good spot, uh, rather than you know, rather than waiting it out. Yeah, it, if you can get that deal done, you know, some of those names that you mentioned, are, are we really trading in Joku for the eleventh pick or or something like that? Are there guys that are are super excited to to lose that upside at tight end? 
for for that spot. And you mentioned that maybe you have to add something to it, but I think it's going to be significant enough. And we don't know where how this once we get to draft season, how exactly this is going to shake out. Um, I you know I really like the second round of drafts, and part of that is because these tight ends are there. If they're suddenly in the first. Maybe that's pushing down players that we like into the second out of the first. So so there's going to be some questions to be answered with that. But, you know, I, I kind of doubt that the 11th pick is, is all that appealing to, to the owner of some of those players. And, and maybe I'm not in tune well enough to to w- what you can get for those picks. But that doesn't seem like a deal. I'm, I'm not trading Njoku for, for 11, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's go on to the third round, Ryan. Um, we'll just talk about this in general. Uh, Andy and Isabella, Bryce Love, Dwayne Haskins, Kashawn Johnson, Kyler Murray, Miles Gaskin, Emmanuel Hall, Lil Jordan, Humphrey, Terry McLaurin, Anthony Johnson, and Demarcus Lodge. That's 26 through 36. We start off those quarterbacks with Haskins and Murray is in there. Uh, we're going to talk about Superflex briefly here coming up. This thing, th- there are some names certainly that are noteworthy here, but things kind of drop off from the back half of the first round to, or excuse me, the second round to that third round. Is there a guy that really sticks out to you? I know there's a couple for me. Yeah, obviously we see a little bit of a drop in uh, in value in projections i guess at this point and also um i think you i think you left off number 25 to begin the third round. i might have left yeah, off 25 25 is greg dorch uh wake forest wide receiver and uh it, it feels like cheating a little bit to to choose him as my favorite from this group but i think he probably is he was uber productive there for um for wake forest he's another guy who's undersized and that's kind of been the knock but I think at this point, I even prefer him to the first rounder, uh, Marquise Brown, that we talked about. So if if we're not worried about size with Marquise Brown, we, we shouldn't be with Dorch either. I think they were both uh, both big time playmakers uh, in college and, and Dorch is health, healthy right now. Um, he's obviously not going to be drafted ahead of Brown, I don't think, but... If I if it's a late third, I'm sorry. If it's a late first versus an early third, I love the value of Dorch. Yeah, and, and Dorch is going to be at the combine here as well, and we're going to get to see a lot from him, or, or at least see if what we what we saw at at Wake Forest will translate uh, to those speed numbers that we're kind of hoping he puts in. Uh, see a lot of people talking about him as that slot receiver, a return man. As well, but he wasn't necessarily um, married to the slot in college, and I don't know if we should necessarily think that that he's gonna have to play that position and have to be kicked inside at the pro level either. I, I think he can be that field stretcher. It, you know, I'm really intrigued to see how he does at the combine, and if he posts the numbers that we all hope or, or think that he might. Uh, he, he could be a riser as well. So I like Dorch as well. There's a couple guys that maybe I'm not as excited about as others. There's a lot of Bryce Love fans out there. I, I'm not necess- I, I, I can promise you, even at 27, Bryce Love isn't a guy that I'm going to have a lot on my dynasty yeah, teams. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the other running back, I, I, I guess we could say big name running back, 
Uh, and actually, the only other running back in this third round is Miles Gaskin, and he's another player that I'll be avoiding. Um, I'm just just not sold on e- either of these, Love or Gaskin. Uh, Love has had a, a miserable final season at, at Stanford, dealt with injuries, and really he, he dealt with injuries throughout that, that year, that the 2017 season, when he probably should have won the Heisman. Uh, but he was in and out of games, and, and seemingly on some kind of snap count, always dealing with cramps or something. And, and honestly, all the huge plays he had that season, that's kind of what I remembered the most is this is just not a guy we can count on. Yeah, and and if if teams are looking at that, you're going to see him slide in the draft most likely. There's talk about that. Um, same thing with Gaskin. Everybody, you know, you, you hear whispers that they're concerned about his 40 time, that – that he might not look as explosive as he maybe did on film while at Washington. And all those things are red flags for me. So so I'm a little bit leery, I guess, of those two running backs. And, and I feel like there's other third-round guys, and, and maybe even guys that are currently in the fourth round, that, that we might be able to find some value with. Uh, I'm not going to list them, Ryan, but anybody else that, that needs to be talked about here that we, we could see moving into those top three rounds or, or making a leap here before draft season kicks off? The intriguing guy to me in, in that fourth round range is Preston Williams. Uh, he's a former big-time recruit, started at Tennessee, ended up at Colorado State, and and had some huge numbers there. Also has uh, some major off-field red flags. We've uh, we've heard reports about him being taken off teams' draft boards, things like that, and, and that kind of talk always uh, always starts to happen around this time. Who knows how much of that we can believe. What we know for sure is he will not be uh, participating in the combine workouts because of those off-field issues. He, he was not invited uh, to perform. He will be there to, to do some interviews and things like that, I believe. I think that's the report I saw According to scouts I've seen, he's a first-round talent and and maybe an undrafted character guy. So those types of players, and, and we see them every year, uh, are, are the ones we have to try to figure out how to handle. And being being a fourth-round rookie pick is is probably where he should be at this point. Yeah, but like you mentioned, he might have first-round appeal or first-round upside and, and – you know, I think that's probably he was the guy I was going to choose as well. He has everything that you kind of think about, and if you get a chance to to take a look at what he did, I know a lot of us aren't probably watching Colorado State football games, but he's a big guy that can run and and has a lot of the things that that we as dynasty owners like to see. And, and he had huge numbers in his final year at at Colorado State and. Man, I, if there's a guy that could make a huge leap and domestic, excuse me, domestic violence is nothing to joke about or anything like that, and, and we should all take it seriously. If he gets a chance at the NFL level and he takes it seriously, I think there's a very good chance that he outperforms that ADP that that puts him in the fourth round right now. Let's move on to Superflex ADP, Ryan. A lot of the same names. We're going to kind of breeze over those and and just introduce those quarterbacks, where they're kind of falling. Um, Overall, and we don't see a quarterback in rookie Superflex ADP until five overall with Dwayne Haskins. And then the second one, Kyler Murray, comes in at eight. But 
That's it for quarterbacks among the top 12. In fact, we don't see another one until 16 with Drew Locke. What are your thoughts about the quarterback class in general, especially these top guys? And do you expect this to change drastically over the coming months? You know, Dan, I, I mean, I, I run a lot of mock drafts, rookie mocks, rookie super flex mocks, obviously the startup mocks for DLF uh, every month. And and one trend that I've noticed really over the the years I've been doing that is that the quarterback position has been devalued in mock drafts almost across the board. It, it certainly is in startup drafts. Uh, I know I know in one of the mock uh, the one quarterback mock drafts recently from earlier this month, players like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers were going in the 20th round. Now we could talk about the value of those players. And obviously it's, it's not in the line of some of those top young starters, but I just don't think that's going to happen in a real league. And, and as much as we want to replicate real leagues and, and get that reliable data and, and, and I do trust it in, uh, in the majority of situations, when things like that happen, it just kind of makes me shake my head. So I think we saw a little bit of that here as well. Uh, maybe a little bit of a game of chicken with who would take the quarterback. There, there's, there's warts and, and questions when it comes to Haskins and Kyler Murray. But with this, the uncertainty at the top of the draft, I wouldn't even have a problem with either of those guys going first overall in in a super flex rookie draft uh, I, I wouldn't have concerns with that I think if you're doing a, a a real super flex rookie draft in a couple months Haskins and Murray are both top five picks yeah and and we don't even know anything about where the or when or, or how high these guys are gonna go and you know if you if you stay in tune with what you know the the big names or, you know, the Schefters of the world and things like that are talking about with the draft. There's a lot of talk that there's going to be teams trading up into the top five and that we should expect there to be moves to be made on these quarterbacks. And if that happens, that translates quickly to dynasty. We start seeing that. I think we've seen that for years that when, when guys get taken in the top five and top 10 of the NFL draft, Dynasty owners immediately move those guys up their want lists, and, and we start seeing those guys go a lot higher. I'm glad you said what you did about the quarterbacks in general in these mocks because it does seem like we could, we, we really should be seeing these guys quite a bit higher and a little bit more consistently. Um, it's, it's a nice group of quarterbacks. I, I like them. I'm eager to see where they end up, and, and if a couple of them or even one of them get a prime landing spot and an opportunity to play early and with a good coaching staff that's entrenched there. I think there's the potential for there to be a very, very good quarterback out of this class. And, and that's going to help in super flex leagues. Let's talk specifically about the order of these quarterbacks. Um, and it's going to range differently from, from draft to draft. Of course, Haskins was the first guy uh, in this ADP followed, like I said, uh, by Kyler Murray. Then we start to see guys like Drew Locke, and uh, it, the list kind of goes on and on from there. What do you think of this class in general? Uh, is there a guy you're specifically going to be targeting or, or really eager to see what he does at the combine or where he goes in the draft? It, what, what's your thoughts on the quarterback position as a whole? 
I think most are down on this class overall, and and I don't blame them. Um, we've got a little bit of depth to the class and, and depth in in that we know these names, right? We know Drew Locke. We know Will Greer. We know Jarrett Stidham, all quarterbacks, uh, multi, multiple-year starters at big-time programs. Uh, I, I, I just think, you know, maybe we've been a little spoiled with Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, just these these guys who have come into the league the past two or three years that are exciting, high upside fantasy options, and then you get Will Greer and Drew Locke, and they're they're just they're just kind of ho hum. They're not you don't see very much excitement or or upside with those guys, and, and maybe that's why they're falling. Drew Locke is projected to be a top ten or fifteen NFL draft pick, and He's 16th overall. I mean, we we saw even Josh Allen, who fantasy players hated last year, go higher than that uh, in, in in dynasty rookie drafts, super flex drafts specifically. So again, I think that's a case. We'll see Locke probably move up the board if if in fact he does go that high in in drafts. He's actually not my quarterback three. I, I prefer uh, Jarrett Stidham. He's a guy that that I've been a fan of, and I was shocked in in these drafts. And I participate in, in the majority of these mock drafts, and I tried, you know, I try not to impact the ADP too much. I don't want to slant things by by taking the same player over and over or anything like that. But I continually found myself in the fourth round of a super flex rookie draft with Jarrett Stidham still available. I couldn't believe it. So uh, he ended up with that fourth round ADP. He's our 37th player overall. And it just, it just shocked me. Yeah. He's the value of the group. I also have him relatively high in my rankings. I think I have him at fourth and I thought I'd be the highest guy on him. So I'm glad to, glad to see that you're, you're on the Stidham bandwagon as well. Ryan, I've been a fan for a few years and going back to when he transferred to Auburn and, and, uh, you know, I I have him in a few Debbie leagues and I really, you know, the knock on him is his arm strength. And if he has that raw arm talent that, that everybody likes, but man, I, I I think he has that upside. And I think, uh, I think we're going to see a lot over the next couple of months until he's drafted. Um, we're going to see him move up and down a lot. I think on draft night, it's, seems to me that he's going to go a lot higher than than a lot of people think now the question marks that you mentioned with Locke and Murray and Haskins at the top I think those are all legitimate as well you know really we're going on pure upside with Haskins um he didn't even play that much at Ohio State and you know he's going to throw at the combine and and you know lots of draft Knicks are concerned about his throwing motion and and you know everything that that those kind of guys get into, um, you know, if you watched him play at Ohio state, he's a gamer and, and man, he, he, uh, he looks good on film. So I kind of lean towards that. I go to, I go with what I see with my eyes and, and Haskins looks, looks good and looks the part I'll, I'll be interested to see where he falls. So, you know, it really seems to me, Ryan, that these quarterbacks are all going to rise and, you know, we both like Stidham to, to rise a little bit. I like Daniel Jones more than maybe some do, uh, the quarterback from Duke as well. Uh, any risers outside of those those guys that you mentioned? Any guys that you're you're 
looking at more than maybe others are right now? No, probably, probably not outside of that group, honestly. Um, again, it feels like a class that has a little bit of, of depth, but I think probably the second round as far as rookie drafts and, and maybe as far as the NFL draft as well is probably the, the ceiling for guys like Jones and Greer and Stidham. Um, so, again, I, I told you it would be a broken record. It's going to come down to landing spot with these guys. Yeah, and you know there are people out there that are are fans of Ryan Finley from North Carolina State, and and even Easton Stick from North Dakota State, and Brett Rippon from Boise State. And you know, I while I agree with you that it's deep, I think there's a clear line after about six. That after that, I I think you're looking at big time projects. And usually, even in the deepest of dynasty leagues, and and I play in a lot of contract and salary cap leagues. Um, those kind of guys aren't even considerations. You need a guy that's going to get an opportunity in the first three to four years. I think that line probably is drawn after the, the group of Haskins, Murray, Locke, Stidham, Jones, and Greer. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm uh, Again, Finley, Stick, uh, and, and Brett Rippon. Those are all names we know uh, if, you've, if you've been a college football fan in, in recent years, but... Yeah, it's it's just hard for me to see any of those guys emerging, honestly. Yeah, me as well. Uh, anything we need to add to the ADP episode, Ryan, before we get out of here? Uh, I don't think so. We're going to have more ADP um, in in just a few, just a couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm excited even before the combine actually wraps up to see how these guys have, have uh, changed value. Yeah, and the Combine is just around the corner. We're going to have lots of information and lots of talk about that as well. This is meant to be just a primer episode for our uh, upcoming draft coverage and, and rookie draft coverage, so stay tuned for that. Matt will be back again next week, and we'll we'll talk more about all that and more on the DLF Dynasty podcast. Thanks again for listening. For Ryan, I'm Dan. We'll catch you again next week.